0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsummerset.com. We're going to talk about wisdom from a seasoned traveler this morning. Uh, as many of you know, last week I went to, or uh, a uh, week before last, I guess, I went to go see my dad in Florida. Um, Quick question. How many of you, I may have asked this before, but let me ask you again. How many of you have flown on an airplane before? Raise them up. Wow, that's a pretty good representation. All right. Uh, Up until a couple years ago, I wouldn't have been able to raise my hand. Now, thanks to my dad, I can say I've flown three times to Florida. I still have to get my mind in a certain place to get on that plane, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, But it's not as bad as it was the first time the first time ella that i got on the plane i sat down in the aisle seat of course and then there was a blank seat or empty seat and then there was this young teenage boy and he didn't have a care in the world and then i looked over here and there were some older ladies reading books they looked bored and i went okay okay get a grip right and so uh i made it um but um I tell you what, a two-hour flight to Florida is a whole lot better than a 14-hour drive, if you know what I'm t- talking about. And, uh, you know, when you think about traveling, when you think about doing something different, going to a new destination or, or going on an airplane if you've never done that before, it always helps when you talk to a seasoned traveler. Somewhere, someone that's already done it, somebody that's already been to that place, and they can give you tips and pointers on, hey, You need to go here, you need to go there, you need to talk to this person, you need to do this, you need to do that. Boy, that just helps so much when you've got somebody's wisdom to tap into to prepare you for what you're going to face. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because whenever we uh, navigate a new experience in life, it's helpful to talk to a seasoned traveler who's already been down the road where we're headed, Uh, whether it's making new friends in school or preparing for college, or finding a mate, or raising a family, advancing your career, making tough decisions about the next stage of life. Wherever you are in the scheme of life, there's always a blessing to have a seasoned traveler to walk you through the path that lays ahead of you. Which leads me to this question. Have you ever thought about your experience in the Christian life? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, if you know the Lord, then my question is, how close to the Lord are you? Have you grown in your walk with Christ? Can you look back at your life from the moment you were saved until now and say, it may not be uh, you know, a steady trajectory, but I've had my hills and valleys, I've had my ups and downs, but I have grown closer to the Lord. I'm not the same, uh, I'm not perfect, far from it, but I'm getting there. In other words, what does it look like to navigate spiritual maturity? Uh, Wouldn't it be great to talk to a seasoned traveler? I can tell you something real quick. When it comes to navigating spiritual maturity, it's not like a video game. And here's what I mean by that. You know, you play a video game, you get good at it, and you go to the next level. Woo! All right, now I'm at level 52. I've conquered self-control. Boom! That's not how it works. Uh, uh, You know, maturing in Christ is not like a video game. Uh, There's no instant gratification as soon as you, you know, I've conquered that, I can check that off my list. Um, Navigating spiritual maturity is not a destination as if we just cross a finish line, throw our hands up in the air and say, done, did it, finished, because we're still in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Um, certainly navigating spiritual maturity is not a self-improvement project where we're trying to do it on our own. And maybe we have some successes and maybe we have some failures and we just say, Lord, forgive me, I'll try not to do it again, and then we do it again, and Lord, forgive me, I'll try not to do it again, and then we do it again, and you get the idea. It's not a self-improvement project that we try to do on our own. So what is spiritual maturity? I guess you could bottom line it like this. Spiritual maturity is a process where we become more like Jesus in what we think, say, and do. I mean, that's what spiritual maturity is. It's becoming more like Jesus in what we think, what we say, and what we do. And that's going to be something that we have to trust God and depend on Him, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the Word of God that speaks to us when we read it, and become more like Jesus, a little bit more each and every day. So my question for you is this. Are you striving to become mature in Christ? Are you striving to become mature in Christ? Because if you're not, you should be. I'll never forget, years ago when the first church I ever pastored, Brother Vernon Turner He was the founding pastor of the church. He was still a member of the church. Uh, He died of uh, leukemia. But Brother Vernon had a saying. He said, you're as close to God as you want to be. Now think about that. He said, you're as close to God as you want to be. When I first heard that statement, it sort of was a little unnerving, a little unsettling, but then I realized, I guess the reason why it is, is because it's true. You're as close to God as you want to be. And if you want to dispute that, and some, some, some person came up to Rhythm Vernon and said, I don't know if I agree with that. He said, well, read James 4.8 in the New Testament. James 4.8, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. That's right. And so you're as close to God as you want to be. If you want to be closer, He'll he'll meet you halfway. You draw near to Him, and He'll draw near to you. And so if you're not as close to God as you should be, I will say you're as close to God as you want to be. And so I hope that stirs you like it stirred me the first time I heard that years ago. But we're in Colossians 1, and we're going to begin in verse 24 this morning. And I want you to look at Paul as he writes these words that were, uh, that he as he wrote these words to the, the church at Colossae, I want you to just listen to what he's saying, because he talks like a seasoned traveler. In Colossians 1, verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church, I become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature In Christ, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I'm struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul is talking like a seasoned traveler. I'm going to cover everything that I just read, but I'm going to go in a little bit of different order. I want you to notice what Paul's mission was there in verse 25. I'll come back to verse 24. But in verse 25, Paul's mission is this. He says, I become a servant, a servant of the church. He says, I have answered God's commission uh, that was given to me for you. Think about that. Uh, I think Robbie Galate said the gospel comes to you because it's heading somewhere else. And you might you might have to go, what, what now? The gospel's coming to me because it's heading somewhere else. In other words, the gospel is not supposed to end with you. You know, God wants to use you to share the gospel with someone else. And uh, the reason why the gospel came to you is because the gospel went to someone else so they could, what, share it with you. And so we're links in a chain. And, and so Paul says, look, not only... Not only is my mission to be a servant of the church, but I've answered God's commission to me for you. I tell you what, that that that's awesome. I mean, God's commission to go and make disciples, when it's personal, you'll say that was for me. That was given to me for you. Think about someone who shared Christ with you. Think about how God used them to reach you Or you wouldn't be here today. And then think about who is it that you need to pray for? Who is it that you need to share the gospel with? um, And maybe, you know, return the favor. Keep, Keep the chain going. Pass it on. Well, Paul's mission was to be a servant of the church, to obey God's commission. And then to make God's word fully known. There in verse 25, that is Paul's mission. Now, what is his message? In verse 27. He says, uh, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. In verse 26, he says, This mystery's been hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints, which are believers. And what is this mystery in verse 27? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was Paul's message to reveal a hidden mystery. Mystery in the New Testament is not like Scooby-Doo mystery, like who did it, but mystery in the New Testament is something that God has concealed, but now He's revealing it. He's displaying it. He's showing it for everyone to see. And so there were things we didn't understand in the Old Testament, and then they become revealed in the New Testament. We knew that God was promising that a Messiah would come in the Old Testament, but we didn't quite understand You know, who that would be, what that would look like, when it would happen. But then we get to the New Testament and we find out that the Messiah is Jesus Christ. He came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. He ascended to heaven and one day he's coming back. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, there's a lot in that statement, Christ in you. You see, when you realize who Jesus Christ is, when you realize that he's the Son of God and that he died for the sins of the world, including you you and me, and that becomes personal, and we realize that he died for me, and we come and we receive Christ as Lord, We, 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 uh, we ask him to come into our life and to save us, then here's what happens. In New Testament language, that means we're now in Christ. We belong to the Lord. We're his. We are now in Christ. But that's not the message that Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about the other side of that coin. Yes, if you're a a Christian, you're in Christ. But the other part is also true. If you're a Christian, Christ is in you. How do I know that I'm saved? Because Christ lives in me. Think about that. Christ lives in me. And Paul wanted everyone to realize that if you're saved and you know the Lord, it's because... Christ is in you. That's the message. And if Christ is in you, then you need to yield every area of your life to Him so that as you walk with Him day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you begin to think, talk, and act like Jesus. And people begin to see Jesus in your life. That's spiritual maturity. That's growing up in our salvation. That's becoming more like Jesus Christ. And that was the message that was hidden that's now revealed is that Christ is in you. And the vision that Paul had is to present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 28, he says, We proclaim Him, referring to Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone everyone mature in Christ. Paul said look I want to be able to present when I stand before God everyone that I've ministered to as mature in Christ. They're complete in Christ. Uh, They have everything they need because Christ is in them and they've learned to think and talk and act like Jesus by depending on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And they're becoming more and more and more like Jesus each and every day. Are they perfect? No. But they're yielding to the one who died for them, and they're living for the one who gave his life for them. That is Paul's vision, to present everyone mature in Christ. You know what? At graduation, it's always a... um, It's always a crowning achievement, isn't it? Uh, At graduation, when you see these students that have worked so hard, whether it's to get a diploma or to get a degree, they've worked so hard and they've they've passed all the requirements and now their big day comes that they put on, you know, the cap and gown and they get to walk down that aisle and they get to hear their name called. I know a good friend of mine, he... uh, he struggled a little bit in college, and he had this one professor he really looked up to. Uh, his dad uh, had died when he was young, and he didn't have a father figure in his life, and the uh, professor was sort of like a father figure to him, and, and one day when graduation came, he looked out to the crowd, he saw his professor, he gave him the wink and the nod, and he says that was just like a high five, you know, to have that that moment of recognition and, and affirmation um, Paul says, look, I want to be able to present you someday before God as mature in Christ. You you trusted God. You walked with Him. You became more like Jesus. You passed the test. You depended on the Lord. He worked in your life, and you're mature in Christ. Uh, That is an incredible vision if you think about it. And Paul says, look, to get there, you've got to warn everybody and you've got to teach everybody with wisdom. We're constantly, it's like going down the road. You don't just get in a car, put your hands on the wheel and keep them frozen like this and you're never and not looking around. Oh, no, think about all the adjustments that go on at a subconscious level. You get into a car, you've got your hands on the wheel, you're constantly doing this. Why? Because you've got to keep the, the wheels between the lines and you're constantly you know, looking at what's in front of you, you're checking the mirror to the side and the back, you've got to be aware of what's going on around you. Somebody's in my blind spot, I've got to let them pass. All these things are going on at a subconscious level. You're continually making all kinds of a judgment, uh, decisions, judgments, and adjustments in real time. Well, guess what? When it comes to growing in, in the Lord, when it comes to spiritual maturity, You've got to be aware of what God's saying to you. You've got to constantly make adjustments. You've got to listen to Him. When He warns you, you've got to pay attention to the warning. When He's teaching you, you've got to be willing to learn the lesson. You've got to continually depend on feedback from the Lord to stay close to Him and to walk in His will and His ways. Well, that was Paul. His mission was to be a servant, to share God's Word, To pass the gospel on. His message, Christ is in you. His vision, to present everyone mature in Christ. But what was his experience? Well, that's where we go back to verse 24. Paul's experience is very revealing. He talks about suffering. He talks about striving. He talks about struggling. Look, if you will, in verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, And I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. And the first time I ever read that, I went, what is that? And then I read it again, and I still didn't know what it meant. What in the world is he talking about? Well, here's the thing. First of all, let me just say that Christ has done everything that's necessary for us to be saved. He's purchased our salvation. He willingly gave his life. He gave his life as a sacrifice. He shed his blood. He gave his body for us. And when he said, it's finished, guess what? It's finished. There's nothing else necessary for you and I to be saved. So what is Paul saying? That he's suffering, and somehow he's completing in his flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. Now, I'll answer that in a minute but I want to go to a similar verse in Philippians. Right before Colossians, there to your left in the Bible, right before Colossians is Philippians. Just turn a couple of pages to your left in Philippians chapter 2, verse 30. And there in Philippians 2, verse 30, Paul is talking about a uh, brother and a co-worker and a fellow soldier in the ministry named Epaphroditus who was a messenger and a minister to the Philippian believers, and he had heard about what was going on in their life, and and uh, he wanted to minister to them, and yet he was sick. And yet he, he went to be the go-between, the messenger between Paul and the church at Philippi, even though his health was bad and he was sick. And the Bible says he almost died, but God spared him, and he lived, and so... He says this, he says, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Hold people like him in honor because, verse 30, he came close to death for the work of Christ, watch this, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Same words, same concept that's going on in Colossians 1.24. What does it mean? Christ has suffered everything that's necessary for our salvation. That's not the issue. But for some reason, God uses suffering sometimes as a strategy to share the gospel because the cross is so far removed 2,000 years ago that people need to see a Jesus with skin. And you know what? If you love Jesus, then you're going to love people too. And if you love people then you're willing to share the gospel with them, even if you're misunderstood, even if you're criticized, even if you're rejected. If you really want to share the gospel with them, you're going to be willing to go through a little bit of suffering in order for the message to get through. Jesus said whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it, Uh, I love what J. Oswald Sanders said. J. Oswald Sanders once told the story of a a native Indian in in the country of India who had come to know Christ, and he felt called to be a missionary to his own people. And he would walk barefoot from village to village just to preach the gospel in his native land. His hardships were many. After a long day of many miles and much discouragement, he came to a certain village, and he tried to share the gospel with them, but they rejected him, and they drove him out of town. He went to the edge of the village, discouraged and and dejected, and he laid down under a tree, and he fell asleep due to exhaustion. While he was asleep, the the certain ones from the village were spying on him. They saw where he was, and they wanted to get a closer look. So they began to look at him. They went back and reported, and the next thing you know, all of these people from this village are gathered around this sleeping missionary. When he wakes up, the people were hovering over him, and the whole town was gathered around to hear him speak. And the head man of the village explained that they came to look him over while he was sleeping. And when they saw his blistered feet, they concluded that he must be a holy man, And it was wrong for them to reject him. They were sorry and they wanted to hear the message that he wanted to bring to them. In other words, this missionary filled up the afflictions of Jesus with his beautiful blistered feet. Are we willing to suffer for the gospel sometimes in order to share it? Because there have been people that have gone before us. The apostles did. Missionaries have. Others have where it's more than just a message, but it's a message that must be told. It is a message that must be shared. And if I have to suffer in order to do it, it's worth it, because I know that the message is true, and that the message changes lives. I mean, Jesus, when he came, he was willing to die for the message, was he not? He was misunderstood, he was criticized. matter of fact, Jesus said, if they hate you, remember that they hated me first. Persecution is something that we encounter. We're promised. Paul told Timothy, he says, anybody that wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Not might, not could be, but will be. We, that's kind of foreign to our thinking here in America, but I think it's time that we wake up and realize that the one that bore a cross has told us to bear our own cross, deny ourselves, Die to ourselves, take up our cross and follow Him. And suffering sometimes is is what God uses to make the message so real to other people. So with all that said, here's what I want to share with you today. In order to help others become mature in Christ, there's three questions you need to ask yourself. Number one, what will it cost me? What will it cost me? I remember years ago in Henry, Tennessee, there was a young man on a football team. And uh, now I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just telling you a, a story to illustrate what it must have took for this young man to, to have the courage to do what he did. But this young man was in high school, and he had been praying for a long time. How can I share the gospel with, with all my friends? And he finally realized, you know, I would like to share it with them all at the same time. And he kept praying about it, and he kept praying about it. And then one day, one day, in the high school, at lunchtime, everybody's about done eating. There's a few minutes left. He stands up on the table. Hey, y'all, let me have your attention for a minute. I need to share something with you. And he boldly shared his testimony told them who Jesus was, what Jesus had done in his life, and encouraged them to do the same. Now, I'm not saying you've got to you know, do something like that this week, but what I'm saying is, what is it going to cost you to share Christ with others? Maybe it means you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe it means you've got to be willing to risk being understood or perceived as somebody who's a little you know, radical or whatever or fanatical. But what will it cost you Paul says uh, he rejoiced in his sufferings because he knew he would have been commissioned to share the gospel with others. And even if he was misunderstood, so be it, I'm still going to share the gospel of Christ. Look, if you will, there in uh, chapter 2. He says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you. Not only did Paul suffer for the gospel's sake, but he struggled he, he struggled. I mean, wherever he went, uh, he was persecuted. Sometimes he was put in chains for preaching Christ, and yet he continued to do what God called him to do. It was a struggle because there was opposition. There was resistance. But he continued to be faithful to being a servant and to answering the commission to him for you. He never lost sight of that. It was personal to him. What will It cost me. Not only did he talk about suffering, not only did he talk about struggling, but there in chapter 1, verse 29, he says, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Ultimately, he said, I'm like a ship and the Holy Spirit is the wind behind my sails. I am striving, but He's the one giving me the strength to do what He's commanded me to do, what He's called me to do. And so for that reason, there's going to be a cost. What's your cost? If you're going to uh, be the mature believer that God wants you to be, if you're going to help others by being a seasoned traveler and show them how to be, uh, grow up in their salvation and be more mature in Christ, What kind of cost are you going to have to pay? Be prepared to recognize that cost and be prepared to pay that cost. Number two, what hindrances do I need to overcome? Going back to verse 28, (coughs) Paul said we proclaim Christ warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Part of what he had to do was he had to warn other people. You know, I don't particularly like warnings, but boy, am I grateful for them, aren't you? I mean, aren't you grateful for a warning? You get to driving a little bit too fast, you get pulled over, and they said, okay, this is your warning, next time we're going to write you for a ticket. I bet you're grateful for that, right? But we, we need warnings in our life. We need those moments when somebody will care enough to tell us the truth, and they will warn us, hey, you don't need to go down that road. It doesn't end well, it's a dead end. There's a trap down there. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. There are hindrances that you and I need to overcome. So if we're going to grow in our relationship with Christ, if we're going to help others grow in their relationship with Christ, recognize what are the barriers, what are the hindrances that I need to overcome. Pay attention to those warning signs from the Holy Spirit. And number three, what life lessons do I need to learn? Not only did he warn every person, but he taught every person with wisdom so they could be presented as mature in Christ. What life lessons do you need to learn? I call it going around the mountain. You know that little song, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. But you know what? I think of it biblically. I think of, remember the uh, Israelites when they left Egypt and it was supposed to be an 11-day trip into the promised land and yet they didn't trust God? And they wandered in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. Forty years. Here's what I want to say. How many times do we have to go around the same mountain? How many times do we have to go around the same mountain in life until we learn what God is wanting to teach us? I mean, the only way we're ever going to grow up in our salvation, the only way we're ever going to mature in our walk with God and help others do the same is there certain life lessons that we've got to teach when God is teaching us. We've got to be willing to learn. We've got to be willing to listen. We've got to be willing to obey. And quit going around the same mountain again and again, over and over. Listen to what God is trying to teach you and learn it. Even if it takes ten times, it's better to learn after ten tries than to never have learned at all. Think about it. And so, wherever you are in your relationship today with the Lord Jesus Christ, be be willing to say, look, you're as close to Christ as you want to be. If you want to be closer, His Word says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. But you need to ask yourself up front, what's it going to cost me? What hindrances do I need to overcome? What lessons do I need to learn? And then grab the plow and don't look back. Focus on the Lord and be faithful to Him. Trust Him. He'll give you strength when you're weak. He'll give you wisdom when you don't know what to do. He'll provide for every need. His presence will always be there. His power is always available because Christ is in you. And that's what it's all about. So this morning, where are you in your relationship with Christ? Do you have Christ in your life? Is Christ in you? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 that there's a test. And it's very simple. Is Christ in you? That's the litmus test for being a Christian. It's not how much Bible you know. It's not how often you've been in church. It's not the experiences that you've had. It's this one question. Is Christ in you? Is Jesus Christ in your life? If He is, you're going to know it. And if He is, guess what? You're going to show it. And not only will you know, others will know. Why? Because you're in Christ and Christ is in you and that makes all the difference in the world. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? It's my prayer that you do. And if you don't, we can change that today. His invitation to you today is just come to me. Come to me. Trust and follow Jesus. Look at the death he died on that cross. Look at the sacrifice he gave his life so that you and I could be saved. This morning, maybe that's the first step you need to take is you need to turn from your your life of sin and where you're headed right now and trust and follow Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus has done everything that's necessary for you and me to be saved. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.